0: You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Oh, man, it's good to be with you guys today. How are we doing in the Cameo Theater today? you doing all right? Awesome. Well, man, it's great to see you guys. And today I'm going to be talking to you about baptism. But before I get to that, um, some of you know that we've been in a long series, like for four months, talking about spiritual warfare around here. And we're actually going to wrap up that series today. Um, And you may uh, have heard me talk about how we actually had someone manifest a demon in our service, you know. Uh, some weeks ago, and thank the Lord for our prayer leaders that help extract that demon and help the person live free of that. And by the way, if you're new here, I know that sounds really weird that someone would like manifest a demon in church and that kind of thing. Well, you walked into a place where people believe a guy was born of a virgin, rose again from the dead. And so get used to the weird, but we hope that you can kind of come at your own pace here. Um, but then one of the reasons that we started this series is because some months ago, we actually had some defacing of our buildings. And so someone had written these satanic curses around door frames of our buildings and we took that as a compliment that the enemy knows we're here and knows that we're a threat to the kingdom of darkness, right on. And so we decided to punch the devil in the face and teach on spiritual warfare. And we've taught people how to overcome counterfeit spiritualities and many people have gotten free from that. We've even had people that manifest demons outside the church. City drivers were equipped to cast the demons out and deal with it themselves and didn't have to bug me in the middle of the night, you know, and call me about it. Doesn't bug me. I always love you guys, but We've seen you guys being equipped to handle these things, which is really what church is about, to empower you, not just for you to watch me. You know what I'm saying? And um, during this series, we've learned to overcome the lust spirit and you know, soul ties and counterfeit spiritualities and all kind of stuff. And we've seen people come to faith in Jesus during this time. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, we saw some of our cultivators get baptized right outside here. And we thank God for the way these changing people's lives in and through cultivate in in our church. And if you remember earlier in the series, I told you the story of a woman named Black China. Now, she didn't go by Black China anymore. That was her stage name. And the reason that I brought her up is when we were talking about counterfeit spirituality, she had these demonic tattoos on her. And when she came to faith in Jesus, you know, and by the way, we're not saying all tattoos are wrong, but she had like occultic you know, symbols on her tattoos. And she had those particular tattoos removed because of her new commitment to Jesus. She went back to school, got her education, totally changed her life. But at her baptism, and since I'm talking about baptism today, I thought I'd bring up Black China's story that at her baptism, she claims that demons literally came out of her at her baptism. And so you can go back and look at her Instagram and see a video of her baptism there. But I'd never heard of that. And then I talked to some other pastors and they were telling me, oh, yeah, we've seen people delivered of the demonic at their baptism, you know, and I thought, whoa. And then I was talking to Pastor Joe this past week and he was telling me that, um, you know, even at at our church, you know, we'd had uh, someone who got baptized and it stirred up these demons and a couple of pastors take her outside and, you know, uh, cast the demons And I know that that sounds, all this demon stuff sounds weird to our Western minds, but anywhere else you go in the world, people are dealing with spiritual warfare and people understand it a bit more. And so I don't think that we should be so arrogant to think that people from other parts of the world can't teach us things about spiritual realities that are at work and at play in our world. And so What I've seen uh, is that baptism, and I restudied this in the Bible, that baptism actually is a part or a picture of our deliverance. When I say deliverance, what I mean by that is our freedom from a spiritual enemy. See, so um, I want to show you a text about baptism, and I'd like us to stand for the reading of God's word, and it's going to be Hebrews chapter six, verses one and two. The Bible says here, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature. So turn to someone next to you and tell them, become mature. Some of you have been waiting to tell that person that for a long time, haven't you? (laughs) Become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. The thing I want to point out in that passage is that it's baptisms plural. And when we think about baptism, most of us tend to think about just the water baptism ceremony. But did you know that there are over six baptisms in the Bible that I'm going to show you today? So go ahead and take a seat and I'll show you six different types of baptisms that are in the Bible. And the first one is the baptism of Moses. That's number one, the baptism of Moses. Moses led the people of God out of Egypt, through the parted waters, and they weren't just being saved or delivered from the Pharaoh and his armies. But if you study it out, the gods of the Egyptians were being confronted by the most high God. And if you study it out, you would see that each one of the plagues that God brought on the Egyptians there uh, were actually judgments against the little G God's of Egypt. And so when Moses and the Jewish people were going through the waters, they were being delivered from fallen angel, demonic, little g-gods that were in Egypt. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, and we see this. All of them walked through the sea on dry ground, in the cloud, in the sea, and all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. So see, this is the baptism of Moses. But number two is the baptism of Noah. Noah and his family, they spent that time to build a big ark and the animals came two by two into the ark and the world flooded like it never done before. But one of the things that we've learned a few weeks ago is that Noah and his family were being saved or delivered from what's called the Nephilim. You're like, what's a Nephilim? Well, we studied a couple of weeks ago. You can go back on our podcast and look at the study we did on the lust spirit. We saw from Genesis 6 that the Nephilim are actually these half-fallen angels, half-humans called Nephilim. They were very evil, and everything they thought their every motivation was evil, and God saved Noah and his family from the Nephilim, go with me to the New Testament now in First Peter chapter three, verse twenty. it says God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood, and that water is a picture of what baptism, so we got the baptism of Moses, the baptism of Noah, but the third one is the baptism of John. If you read through the Gospels in the New Testament, you would see that John came baptizing people, and it was a baptism of repentance. And my belief is, is that John's baptism was saving people from the religious spirit. They were turning from this religious spirit that uh, really just was jumping through all these religious hoots, but didn't care about the poor, the oppressed, or justice, see? And so John was telling the religious people, hey, you need to be baptized in repentance, and and John was preparing them for the Messiah, for Jesus to come. So um, if you go and look at what Paul said about it, Paul was talking to some people who had already been baptized by John's baptism, and look at what he says in Acts chapter 19, verse 3. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were, look at it, baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we see from that that passage in Acts, Paul was telling people, he was rebaptizing people who had been baptized in John in the baptism of repentance, but they had not yet been baptized in Jesus. See? So that's another kind of a baptism. That was Number three, but the fourth type of baptism is the baptism of suffering. Job went through this when he was delivered from the devil that caused his suffering. Jesus went through this when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was praying with such intensity and suffering that blood was coming from his pores. Have you ever prayed with such intensity that blood comes out your pores? That was what Jesus was going through. But the baptism of suffering is the baptism nobody's signing up for, is it? We're trying to avoid suffering like the plague, but there is a baptism of suffering that some of you are, by the looks on your face, you're like, yeah, I've been through the baptism of suffering. I don't wanna go back to that baptism at all. But if we lock into our relationship with God and Jesus during the time of suffering and and by his grace, get through it with him, serving him and loving him, that baptism of suffering purifies us from uh, the flesh. And so go with me back to the Bible, Mark chapter 10, verse 39, Jesus told his disciples, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my what? Baptism of suffering. And that's not good news for some of us. We all know that uh, we've either, either been through suffering, we're in it right now, or we're gonna go through it. And so we drink of that cup, going through it, clinging tightly to Jesus to help us through the times of suffering in this life. But look at the fifth type of baptism, and that is the baptism of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. What that is, when you, at the moment in your heart, that you believe in Jesus, that is the baptism, a heart baptism of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And those two, those two people go together, those two beings go together, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Now, where some people get confused is they say, hey, the Holy Spirit is the second experience. Well, that's kind of true and kind of not. We see from the scriptures that when you get Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit, you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. But what I think people are talking about is you can be, experience what we call a filling of the Holy Spirit that is the second experience after salvation or after the heart baptism of Jesus. Let's go to the scriptures for just a minute. And we see the baptism of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, where Paul says, but we have all been baptized into one body, that's the church, by one spirit, and we all share that same spirit. So we see when you're baptized into Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. And then John was talking about this. You know, remember, John had his own baptism, but then he's like, hey, my baptism's not such a big deal. What you want to look forward to is Jesus, who is a big deal, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Look at what John says in Matthew chapter three, verse 11. He's talking about Jesus, and he says, he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So oftentimes... When you are baptized by the Holy Spirit, remember in the book of Acts, it talks about tongues came with fire, right? There's a fire that comes on you when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're fired up about reading the word of God. You're fired up about serving God. You're fired up about sharing Jesus with other people. You're no longer ashamed of him, but there's a fire in you. And when you believe in Jesus, that's when you receive the Holy Spirit and Jesus. But once you perceive the Lord, then he gives us a challenge. And that challenge is historically called the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is in Matthew 28. Let's look at it on screen real quick, or you can look at it on your phone Bible or whatever form you have the Bible in. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. See? So what that's talking about is the ceremony of water baptism here, and that is the sixth type of baptism, water baptism, and that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time today, talking about water baptism. So let me ask you something. When I say water baptism, what are the kind of pictures that come to your mind? What do you think about? Okay. Well, uh, when I'm asked that question, I think about when I was a kid and I saw someone baptized in church. There's a lady that was baptized in church and she was wearing a wig. And when the pastor pulled her up out of the water, the wig fell off and it looked like a cat jumped off her head, you know? She's like, He's like, meow. So I, I thought it was kind of funny. Then I had these friends that, like, check this out. These friends. Their pastor would get down into the baptism pool in these fishing waders, you know, so he wouldn't get his suit wet and everything. And so these kids, they were honoree teenagers, you know, and they like cut these little holes in his fishing waders. And so he went down in the water and his waders filled up with water and the pastor's trying to get out of the baptism pool and he couldn't get out. And so these church volunteers had to grab him and kind of haul him out of there with water coming out of the hole of his waders. And so I'm glad I don't use waiters because I don't trust you. So it's just like, uh, you never know what could happen. But I, I looked on the internet and I saw some funny baptism videos that I thought I'd share with you. Go ahead and take a look. After seeing that video, I'm inspired, man. I cannot wait for Christmas Eve, man. I have to wear a wetsuit, right? And it's just like, I mean, like, baptisms for Hulkamaniacs, you know, it should be awesome there. Uh, but, you know, your baptism is special, it's important. And, man, God is doing something in our church. You know, our church is growing. I looked at, like, I typically don't pay much attention to like church numbers and attendance and that kind of stuff. But i looked at like four weeks in a row this year and the same four weeks last year. And we were like, our church had grown like 30% since this time last year. And you know, last year we saw 114 people baptized at our church. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? 114 people (laughs) baptized last year in 2022. But did you know this year so far, we've seen 131 people baptized already. We got one more to go, right on. So God is moving here in these baptisms, you know, and your baptisms are not just special for you, but they're special for me because. Man, you know, I've told you about times where it can be discouraging, it can be hard to do the ministry, but man, when I sit here and watch these baptisms and sometimes I participate in them, it just fills my heart and encourages me to see the people baptized. And you know, those of you that are serving here in our church and giving here and coming here, man, be encouraged that God is on the move and he's doing a great work in people's lives and helping people come to know him and to be baptized and because you guys are doing such a great job of being the church you know we don't just go to church but you guys actually go out there and be you're being the church in your communities with your friends and family and you're inviting lots of friends here and so we all come here you know we don't do much advertising. In fact, when we try to advertise, I don't know how to advertise, you know, but it really the way people find out about our church mostly is word of mouth. When I ask people, how'd you hear about us? Nobody says that, you know, they saw any advertising. Everybody says, I was invited by a friend. I was invited by someone. And you guys are doing such a great job of inviting people that we're, we're, we all come from all these different spiritual backgrounds don't we? Some people come from a completely irreligious background. And then a lot of us have all these different kinds of spiritual and church backgrounds. So it's it's only natural that we would have a lot of questions about baptism. Did you know that throughout the years of ministering here in our church, one of the number one questions I've got is concerning baptism. And here are some of those individual questions that people tend to have about baptism. One is, what is the proper mode of baptism, people want to know: Are you supposed to be sprinkled, or water poured over you, or dunked, or you know, sprayed down with a fire hose? You know what's the proper mode? I know, I know, there's water involved. Like, is it super soaker? You know, you know, how does it work? So, uh, I'll, I hope to answer that here in just a minute. Another question that people have about baptism is: How old should you be when you're baptized? Because a lot of you grew up in environments where you know it's like infants get baptized. And others were told that there's an age of accountability. And others were told that, you know, you have to be an adult before you can be baptized. So what we hope to answer that question here in just a minute. And then here's the one we get a lot is, do you have to be baptized to go to heaven? And some of you have been told that, that you have to go, you have to get baptized or you're not gonna make it to heaven. So we'll answer that here in just a minute, Um, but what I'm gonna show you are three characteristics of water baptism, and then I'm gonna show you two things we can do about it, okay? Three characteristics of water baptism through the Bible. And you know me, I'm not just going to give my opinion, but it's going to be just Bible verses and stuff. And then what we do about it, because that's really where the rubber meets the road. You know, we want to be doers of the word, not just hearers only who um, deceive ourselves. And so here's number one. Water baptism symbolizes your relationship status. It symbolizes your relationship status. So it's kind of like, on social media, when someone shows their relationship status, if you post on social media that you're single, you know what you're doing there, okay? Don't pretend like you don't. You're saying single, you're like, Okay. Bring on those dates. Okay. Uh, call me up. I'm not doing Tinder. I'm doing social media. You know, you, know. uh, I'm single. Uh, welcome. But then sometimes people will put in there on their relationship. That it's complicated. And we all know that's drama, right? We know that something's going on there and we love you, but you stay far away. If it says it's complicated, you don't want to ask that person out because they got a situation on their hands. But then, um, they changed the status to married. And what that says, you know, that, that I'm taken. I'm not out there on the market at all. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm committed to one person. And isn't it just natural for us when we have a significant love relationship, we want people to know about that other person, don't we? And that's our way of saying, hey, I'm all in with this person. And that's what baptism means. If you want kind of one statement that sums up the whole thing, baptism means I'm all in, means I'm all in, okay? So when I point to you, I want you to say I'm all in. Ready, here we go. I'm all in. That's what we mean when we get baptized. And so let me show you a passage uh, about this because a lot of you know that when you get married, you have to die to the single life, don't you? I've talked to guys that's like, you mean she wants to know when I'm gonna go out? She. she I have to tell her and say, yeah, you got to change. You can't be a bachelor guy anymore. You mean we have to talk about what we're going to spend money on and this kind of stuff? Yes, you do. You know, when you're married, it's a different thing. So go with me to Romans chapter six, verse three. Or have you forgotten that when we became Christians and were baptized to become one with Christ Jesus, we died with him? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So some people, that's, you know, it's, that's confusing for some people. They were saying, hey, wait a minute, I'm alive right now. So how did I die with Jesus when he died a couple of thousand years ago on the cross? Well, here's an illustration of it that I learned from a Bible teacher named Watchman Nee. Um, He talks about this article that was in a newspaper. And, uh, you know, back in his day, they only had a news feed on paper. And the article read, one person, three lives. One person, three lives. And the article was about a woman who was pregnant with twins and she was killed And so it was one person and three lives were taken in that death. Now, that's tragedy. But baptism and the cross is not a tragedy. It's a triumph. We were in Christ, just like those children were in the mother when he died. Spiritually, we were in Christ. But the reason that baptism is a triumph, not a tragedy, is because, like Romans says, we were raised to life with him. He uh, supernaturally resurrected or rose again from the dead, which means we can have a new life here on earth and will be resurrected in the afterlife in the future. So one of the cool things about our new lives in Christ is that we're cleansed from guilt and shame. Anybody have anything that you feel guilty about or shameful about your past? And what baptism symbolizes is what Jesus has done in cleansing us from that guilt and that shame. Let's go back to the Bible in Acts chapter 22, verse 16. It says, and now why delay? Get up and be baptized and have your sins, what? Washed away, calling on the name of the Lord. And you know that baptism isn't a uniquely Christian practice. It was actually started by our Jewish friends. And they had a practice called mikvah. And I brought a picture of a mikveh in Jerusalem where Jewish people back in the day would go down into the mikvah, into the water. They would dip under the water. They would come up. They would walk back up the steps and out of the mikvah. And when they walked out, they were considered cleansed of their sins ceremonially clean. This was the precursor to the Christian practice of baptism. Now, here's where some confusion comes in about what we believe here. And this is number three, water baptism is not essential to go to heaven. And here's why I say that, as uh, the story of the thief on the cross next to Jesus. Remember, when Jesus died on the cross, there was a thief next to him, and uh, the guy evidently was repentant and turned to Jesus, and Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. See? And the Roman soldiers did not let the thief on the cross get off the cross and be baptized and then torture him to death and kill him, but they kept him on the cross and tortured him and killed him, but that very day when he died, he was in paradise with Jesus. See, and if that's not enough for you, go with me to first Peter chapter three, verse 20. It says there, and this is a, what's that next word? Picture. It's a key word. This is a picture of baptism, which now saves you by the power of Jesus Christ's resurrection. Look at this next sentence. This is what really helped me. Baptism is not a removal of dirt from your body. It is an appeal to God for a clean conscience, see? So baptism, there is a baptism that saves you, but it's the baptism of the heart that saves you. Just getting the water and cleansing off your body doesn't save you, you know? Um, Being baptized doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger, okay? It's like, it's just washing uh, dirt off of, your body. That's just uh, what we call taking a shower. But it is a picture of something that has taken place. Water baptism pictures your spiritual heart baptism. Let me illustrate it like this. Um, We all love our music here at City Tribe, right? And you know the guy that stands over here and sings? His name is Aaron. Aaron. And we call him Ate. And Ate's got that stellar voice. You know, he starts, you know, doing all those vocal inflections. He's like, uh, oh, oh, oh. you know, I can't even, uh, you know, imitate it, right? He says, so it, just, I just know it sounds good. When I try to do it, it doesn't do anything. But when he does, you know, when I try and do it, it sounds like, you know, a cat that's dying. But when he does it, it just sounds good. He sings good. So, um, I brought a, a, a picture of Ate. So when I, when I, when you look on screen, who's that? ate okay so you're kind of right but it's kind of a trick question and here's why cuz if i ask the picture up there if i say ate sing us a song what's the picture going to do it's not going to do anything is it cuz technically that's not ate that's a picture of ate that's a representation of ate that's a picture that was taken on a phone or a camera and then it's, it resides back there on a computer somewhere and then that image goes through a wire somewhere up into a projector and projected on the wall after watching it online. It goes through a couple of more processes before it gets to your screen. See, it's a picture. The real ate is probably backstage eating chili for lunch or something, right? That's what we're having back there. So... In light of all these three truths about baptism, what are we to do? Two things. And number one is kind of a long thing. Look at number one. I'm asking you to, if you've not done this, believe in Jesus for the spiritual baptism of the heart and get water baptized after you've believed. Does that make sense? You believe in Jesus and have the internal baptism and then get water baptized after You believed. And this answers the question how old should a person be when they're baptized? Or is there an age of accountability? Or should you do infant baptism? Like uh, what we say here is that you can be baptized here after you've made the choice to believe for yourself. So we baptize people that are four years old that they understood what they were doing. They knew that they were believing in Jesus. We've also baptized people. We baptized someone here who's 94 years old who had believed and wanted to be baptized after she had believed. And so uh, we believe it can be any age. The Bible nowhere commands us to baptize infants. Um, In fact, you would expect in the New Testament because during that time, The infant mortality rate was so high that if baptism was essential to get to heaven, you would expect at least one of the apostles to say, hey, you better be for baptizing that infant so that the infant can go to heaven. And you say, well, why do people think that? Well, some people will argue that because the Philippian jailer and the Bible character Lydia, the Bible says that they believed and then their whole household believed. And so they assume that there must have been an infant in the household um, so that the whole household believed and was baptized. But the Bible doesn't say there was an infant in either one of their households. And so there's no place that we can find a biblical command to baptize infants. But the custom of infant baptism began actually 300 years after the Bible was completed. Um, it's a ceremony intended to emphasize a commitment between the parents and God on behalf of the child. And so um, here's what I want you to not do. Okay, don't. some of you, I know some of you, don't go home and tell your mom, well, mom, Pastor Doug says you're wrong. You shouldn't have me baptize this baby. <laughs> you know why your mom or your grandma or your, your dad had you baptized? they love you and you should never correct them for loving you and wanting the best for your life. Only encourage them for that. Um, so we do ask you to consider that you get baptized after you've made the choice to believe and that's why we do child dedications because our children are so important to us here that we provide a ceremony where we can dedicate ourselves to raise our kids in the ways of God so that one day. They will make that choice for themselves. Can I show you a story in the Bible where I think we see the order of belief and baptism? It's the story of a guy named Simon the Sorcerer. He was kind of like the Harry Potter of the New Testament. And he came to faith in Jesus. And look at what the Bible says he did in Acts chapter 8. I think it's verse 13. It says, then Simon, his mother believed. No, Simon who? himself believed and was baptized. Does it say his parents believed he was baptized and then he believed? No, it's like he himself believed and then he was baptized. This is the order of things. Now, how many of you know someone, don't raise your hands, but have you know someone that got baptized as an infant, they grew up and they couldn't care less about the things of God? And you know why? Because they, they never They had never believed. That was their parents' choice. It wasn't their choice to believe. So if you were baptized as an infant and later in life, you chose to believe for yourself, I encourage and challenge you to be baptized with water after you believe, revealing that it was your choice, your relationship status with Jesus that you believe in him. But here's number two. I encourage you to get water baptized by immersion, by Immersion, that means dunking under the water. And we see this in the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. There was an Ethiopian man riding along in his chariot. He was evidently a well-to-do man. He was reading an Isaiah scroll. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit uh, sends a guy named Philip up next to him to explain the gospel of Jesus from The Isaiah scroll and the Ethiopian eunuch was so excited. Look at what he did next in Acts chapter eight, verse 38. It says he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. And, you know, what I wanted to point out there, they went down in the water because it was a baptism by immersion. And over the years, I've seen so many people like the Ethiopian eunuch that were just so excited after they came to faith in Jesus. I've seen people get baptized in their street clothes that they wore to church that day, you know, on days where we had the baptism pool set up here. People are just like, I'm just getting in right now. I've seen people get in in really expensive sneakers and cowboy boots and pressed jeans and baggy jeans and all kinds of clothes of their own, even though we provide clothes because people are so excited to say, I am all in with Jesus, see? And one thing you note from the Ethiopian eunuch story is that as soon as he understood it, he believed and immediately went down and got baptized. It doesn't say, Philip told him, before you can be baptized, you have to take a class. You have to take a baptism class. By the way, there's nothing wrong with baptism classes. And Philip didn't say, hey, you have to go through these long eight months of, you know, church training and stuff before you're allowed to be baptized. Mm-hmm. Philip didn't say that. There's nothing wrong with church. We, we love church classes and we all need training and all of that. But as soon as the eunuch understood, believed, he was qualified to be baptized that very moment. The word baptize in the Greek New Testament. If you didn't know, the Bible was not written in English. We've all got translations. It was written in, you know, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And in this section, the word baptize is the Greek word baptisma. And it means to dip under the water. And so we believe that because of all these factors, that immersion best describes uh, what God intends. And it best describes being all in. You follow me? Because you're all in uh, the water. And so I want to encourage you to get baptized Christmas Eve if you've not already signed up to do that, if you're a candidate for that. But if it's not physical baptism that gets you into heaven, then what is it? Well, it's belief in the gospel. And look at how Paul talked about it. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14 through 17. Paul says, I thank God I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. He's like, I thank God I, did. I only baptized a couple of you. And by the way, if you're pregnant looking for kid names, Crispus and Gaius right there. He's just like, you know, the kid came out kind of crispy. We'll name him Crispus, okay? He uh, say, so I, I thank God I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. For now, uh, no one can say they were baptized in my name. See? And then, then look what Paul says, he says for Christ didn't send me to baptize but to preach the good news and not with clever speech for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power getting into heaven is all about the cross of Christ Baptism is cool it's great everyone should do it but it's all about the cross of Christ look at what Paul says next in the very next chapter of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 verse 1 it says when I first came to you dear brothers and sisters I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. Have you ever heard someone talking about the Bible? And you ever feel like they're trying to convince you how smart they are? Paul, said, Paul by the way, was, according to historians, was one of the foremost intelligent men on the planet in his day. And he says, hey, I didn't try and use all this fancy language, but look at what he says in the next sentence there. He says, For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. And I think that's very important for some of you to hear. And here's why. Because some of you have been banging your head against a wall, spiritually speaking, because you've tried to find God your whole life. And you've always believed that you've got to do some type of religious works to clean yourself up enough to be worthy of God. And then maybe you can be baptized. Maybe you can clean yourself up enough so that you can earn your your credibility with God. Then you can be baptized. But what you gotta understand is is that you gotta let him do the cleaning. See, Um, he's the one that that cleans you up. We could never, I couldn't clean myself up enough and neither can you. Have you ever known someone that they can afford to hire a cleaning service to clean their house? I was talking with a few staff members about this this last weekend. Someone was telling me, he's like, yeah, they hire the cleaning service. But then before the cleaning service comes, they say, hey, we need to straighten up the house. Let's clean up the house before the cleaning service comes over. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what some of you are trying to do with God. God's the cleaning service. Why would you try and clean yourself up before the cleaner is going to come over and clean you? (laughs) He's the one that, that cleans us. The gospel says, no, it's all about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And you're like, hey, well, I got to be baptized before I can have a relation with God. No, forget all that. Paul says it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. Some of you are like, hey, I got to go through a bunch of religious classes before I can go to heaven someday and have a relation with God. No, Paul says, forget all that. It's about Jesus Christ and him crucified. Some of you are like, hey, I got to give money to the church, or I've got to serve the poor, or I've got to count my religious beads, or whatever like that. Paul says, forget all that stuff. It's about Jesus Christ and him crucified, he's the one that cleans us up. You can't clean yourself up before you come to him. You come as you are, and he changes your life. See? Thank God. Yeah, so that's where the gospel's worth laughing for. (laughs) Clap it up. Get out of your system. It's good. And you know, can I tell you, if you believe in him, the Bible teaches, it's like you're getting married to him. To Jesus so I was thinking about that and over the years when I teach about baptism I always have to tell this story about just a few short years ago when Miss Jeannie and I got engaged okay we were in college at the time and uh, I don't know how I got her but we were in college at the time and I wanted to go outside of town to, pro- to propose to her but she didn't know I was going to propose So we went out to this place called Swan Lake and I put this blanket out on the ground, you know? And I had these wine glasses, you know, and I poured this non-alcoholic sparkling cider, you know, because we went to a Baptist school. So we were living it up Baptist style. Right. You know, uh, non-alcoholic fizzy stuff. Right. And we were out there uh, drinking the fizzy stuff. And it was a beautiful night. There were swans out on the lake. There was like literally billions of stars in the sky that you could see out there in the country. And then she reaches over to kiss me. She was very aggressive with me. She kissed me, you know. Uh, must have been the, the eyebrows. Uh, I may have embellished that a little bit. But she, when we were in the middle of kissing, I was multitasking. I reach into my pocket and I pull out that fuzzy ring box. You know the one I'm talking about? And I'm like, open it up. You know, she and I opened it. And when we pull away from the kiss, this part I'm not embellishing at all. That little diamond... I'm not lying. It was glistening in the moonlight. It was enchanting. And she sees the little diamond there. And it dawns on her what's taking place. And I said, Jeannie, I love you. Will you marry me? And you know what she said? She said, Ha ah, ah, ha! Ah, ah. And I said, What does that mean? She said, yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. <laughs> and we embraced. And then I thought we would just hang out out there at Swan Lake. But she wanted to get back to campus to go to the Student Center. I'm like, okay. And we get back to the Student Center, and all our friends were in the Student Center that night. And here's Jeannie. She's all, hi. Hi, y'all. Hi. Notice anything different? Hi. Sorry you're still single, sucker. Hi. See it saying here? <laughs> so as I was thinking back on that, you know what I was thinking? That um, what I'd never come to terms with is just how good that made me feel. That she was proud of that ring. I was so glad. You know, if I didn't wear my ring after we were married, I would need deliverance. She'd kill me. (laughs) My lady doesn't play that. You wear the ring, bro. (laughs) But could I ask you something? Those of you that have believed in Jesus and you've not yet worn the ring of baptism to show others your relationship status with Jesus... How does that make him feel, you think? So, you know, God brought someone here today because you've been banging your head against the wall through religion, trying to find a relationship with God, and you needed to hear the truth today that it's only through Jesus Christ and him crucified. And today, in this moment, the God of the universe proposes marriage to you, and you have a choice to make will you say yes or no? Let's bow for prayer. As we bow before the Lord, if you've never had a relationship with him and you'd like to today, and if you wanna say yes, just talk to him in your own heart right now. There's no magic prayer. It's just kind of the attitude of your heart is what's so important. But just tell him something like this. Look, God, I know that I've sinned, but I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross pay for my sin. I'm not going to try through religion and good religious deeds. I believe that it's only about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he rose again from the dead to give me a whole new life. Welcome into my life. Thank you for coming in, God. And as we're still in prayer right now, if you just prayed that, you need to know that no matter what you've done in the past or what you do in the future, if you believe that, then you have love relationship with God. You're married to him. And as we continue in prayer, if you just believed in him seconds ago or if you believed in him years ago and you want to choose to wear his ring, and be baptized, I want you to just look up at me real quick and just show me your hand real quick. If you've believed and you've never been baptized, but you're gonna commit to being baptized, the next opportunity you get, just show me your hand, good. I see some of you right here in the middle. Yeah, I see you guys right there. Yeah, I see you guys over here to my right and your left, good. Anybody back there underneath the balcony back there? Yeah, I see, the, I see you guys right back there. Anybody up in the balcony? Anybody in the balcony? Man, the balcony's not very spiritual today. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. People all over the room, not in the balcony. Lord, thank you for those that are moving towards you. We thank you for the good work you're doing in our hearts, in our church, in our lives. And we look forward to our next baptism that's going to be enchanting as we see beautiful as we see people wear the ring of their relationship status with you. Thank you for what you're doing here. And we pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. So uh, we had some of our ministry partners here earlier today. They were here at the first couple of services, but they had to go to another church um, during this service, but we brought a video of them that we wanted to show you real quick. Take a look.
1: Dios bendiga a la ciudad de la tribu. Un saludo de parte de mi esposa, y yo, Fidel Rubio y Mariana.
0: Arias.
1: Arias somos del Ministerio Pies Hermosos y queremos orar por toda la iglesia y darles gracias por todo su apoyo. Padre te amo gracias en el nombre de Jesús en esta hora Dios por todo tu amor y por toda tu misericordia y todas tus bondades Señor Padre yo elevo Dios mío la iglesia Señor en este momento Señor que tú la bendigas que tú la ayudes, que tú la cubras con tu preciosa sangre que bendigas a sus líderes Que bendigas a sus familias, que bendiga sus finanzas, Señor. Reprendiendo la obra del devorador, que venga en contra de las familias, Señor. Sino que las familias sean unidas por ti. Te damos gracias por todo, Señor. En el nombre de Jesús. Gracias, Dios eterno. Amén, Padre mío. Gracias, Dios. Damos gracias por todo su apoyo, que nos han estado apoyando. Que Dios los bendiga y un abrazo y muchas gracias bendiciones
0: amén los amamos los esperamos y el Señor siga bendiciendo sus vidas y sus fuentes de trabajo son nuestras oraciones en el nombre de Cristo Jesús amén amén I love Fidel and Anita. Amén. Uh, Man, at the last service, Fidel was here. He prayed up here, and even if you didn't speak Spanish, you understood, man, because the heart of love and power of the Holy Spirit that comes through them both. And you know, this is a couple that started an orphanage with five pesos years ago, and now they're serving a bunch of kids that live on the property at Casolgar, and they're serving the Tarumara Native people who are leaving the mountains because of cartel violence and they need food and shelter and help, and so Fidel and Marianita are helping, and we're helping them help others who need help desperately, just to our neighbors to the south in Mexico. And so that's why we're praying right now, all of us, about our end of year giving towards our tribal mission fund that we want to support. We're trying to raise somewhere in the neighborhood of a little over $87,000 to help Fidel and Marianita as well as our ministry partners in Africa, in the city of London, as well as uh, Strong Foundation right here. And so we don't ask people to give by a lot of pressure or whatever. We just say pray and ask God by his spirit what you are to do to help with this need uh, before end of year in end of year charitable giving. There are four ways that we bring our offerings here at City Tribe Church by mail, text. You can go by the giving stations located here in the theater, or you can go to our website citytribe.church. So let's stand together before you guys worship through generosity. And uh, if you're comfortable to do so, join hands with the brothers and sisters next to you. And dear brothers and sisters, as you leave from this place, May you walk from here resurrected in Christ, not as those who are half-hearted towards Jesus, but as people who are all in, all the way in, baptized in Jesus and the Holy Spirit, ready to take his love and his faith and relationship in his kingdom to everyone with whom you come in contact with. You guys have an amazing week, and we'll see you next time. Peace. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.